Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Our new episodes drop every Monday over on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. So go over there and uh, rate, review, subscribe, yada, yada, yada. And you won't miss our balls talk again every Monday at 7 a.m. You can find me at, at Charlie underscore Burris on Twitter, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports Nashville.com for all of the stuff that Zach writes for all the stuff that Zach writes and then posts on Facebook and then all of the people on Facebook tell him he's terrible and needs to be fired. It's actually pretty entertaining. If you're as cynical as we are, just go over there and look at what they write. Cause boy, they don't like, <laughs> they do not like hearing about the fact that Jeremy Pro might be fired. I am. Ha- I I'll start off by saying this. I'm happy to announce uh, that I'm, I'm virtually 100% back from the old coronavirus, except I can't taste or smell. It's getting a little bit better, but you would not believe, like people make like jokes like, ha, nobody can taste and smell. That's a a funny symptom of coronavirus. No, it's not, because you can't taste or smell anything, and it makes you not want to eat, and it really sucks but i'm glad that i had a a mild version that's nice but please please coronavirus give me my ability to taste food back Uh, i would appreciate that anywho um zach how are you sir yeah my hands are literally i'm sitting here realizing my hands are cramping up from just refreshing twitter constantly see jeremy (laughs) pruitt's still the head coach i've my screen time popped up today you know on sunday mornings the iphone if you have an iphone it tells you how much you're on your phone all week and uh well mine was like 12 hours a day pretty much and i don't yeah i mean mine something similar as well and specifically this week because that's all all i did i uh we were we were required to take off work i couldn't work so i was sitting in my house um and yeah it was i didn't even look i don't even want to (laughs) know what my screen time was something something at that point, if not worse. Um, but another week has passed. And guess what, folks? Jeremy Pruitt is still the football coach at the University of Tennessee. Although, is he? <laughs> so, some interesting things uh, have happened this week. We had... Um, I, I get, I'm try, trying to think of exactly where to start with what has transpired and what exactly came first, because I'm not totally sure. So there were a few things that I would say were negative for Pruitt, and then one that was positive, and we'll start with the positive. Um, Hinden Hooker, quarterback from Virginia Tech, commits to Tennessee sort of out of the blue and an interesting pickup, a kid that had pretty decent stats um, in his time at Virginia Tech. Uh, I guess we'll, we can start off with that. What did you think of that, Zach? And my first thought was, boy, Jeremy Pruitt could have used Hendon Hooker in 2020 because he would have been way better than any other option that Tennessee put on the field. My second thought was Hendon Hooker is going to be a great option for wherever the head coach is at Tennessee next year. <laughs> and yep. specifically, we'll get into this in a bit, uh, some different scenarios that could happen 
next season, but specifically an interaction I had with uh, Brad Shepard on Twitter. He used to write for Bleacher Report. Great guy. He said something that really made me kind of excited about a potential scenario for Tennessee next season uh, that involves Hendon Hooker. Well, do you want to go down that road or are we saving? Because that, I, I are you setting up our the premise for the show? That's what it sounds like. But maybe I am I misreading yeah. the room. Okay. No, yeah. So on this episode, we want to lay out the the exact scenarios. I mean, obviously there is a scenario that Pruitt stays. And that's one thing. And teams sort of falling apart, but hey, you got a quarterback. <laughs> and we can go into some of the teams falling apart aspect too. We're we're leading into that. Um, but on this particular episode, we wanted to go into three scenarios for if they axe Pruitt. What could happen? Because there's an infinite amount of scenarios that could happen. But I think there's sort of three likely ones. That being the splash hire. Um, right now, I think for a lot of people, that would be like a Hugh Freeze. Uh, the the safe hire, which would be sort of a fallback. Your, your Malzahn or somebody who's who would, in, in a sense, be an SEC retread sort of. And the wild card, which is just somebody off the map. Which, let's be honest, that's probably the way Tennessee would go. But we can go down that road when we talk about it. Um, and that, that's going to be the bulk uh, of the show after we sort of go through the, the different pieces of news that dropped this week. So there was um, obviously this with, with Hinn and Hooker. It looks like a, a pretty exciting uh, prospect. 2,894 yards passing on 197 completions on 312 attempts in his career at Tech. Uh, and he has seven interceptions to 22 touchdowns. So... All in all, and strangely, his best year was 2019, not 2020. Um, But all in all, looks like an interesting prospect. But things are not going incredibly well. Uh, It seems like outside looking in, in uh, the the football program. Earlier this week, ESPN's Mark Schlebaugh drops a story that really outlines some things that we've already talked about on the show and that people around Knoxville have either just flat out known was going on or it had been speculated on. And that report from ESPN, which I think to a lot of people feels a lot more official than just like somebody, you know, one of these local guys. I don't know why the local guys know better than the national guys. I don't know who needs to hear that, but that's the truth. Um, Anywho, uh, ESPN says, that uh, Jeremy Pruitt is not being allowed to hire any assistant coaches, although Pruitt is interviewing guys and um, he's not being allowed to uh, re-sign any of his coaches or make any moves as far as that goes. Um, And so he's just kind of stuck. People haven't liked that I call it limbo, but I don't know what else you would call it. I see so many... So many people who who either I don't know if they like want Pruitt to stay or they think I'm being I'm just being a blowhard by talking about Pruitt getting fired. It's limbo. He's in limbo. He's in limbo. He can't hire a coach. His his own job status is kind of up for grabs right now. Uh, it seems like. I mean, what what do you make of this? Yeah, every every school out there is hiring assistants right now, and those assistants are leaving. I mean, look at. South Carolina with Will Friend, he's he's went there. Now he's at Auburn. Butch Jones has already went through two offensive coordinators at Arkansas State. It's what every program in the country 
is doing right now. And Pruitt has two openings, two coaches with expiring contracts, one coach, Chris Winkie, who needed to be fired two years ago. He's got a lot of staff. If he's going to stay, a lot of staff turnover, a lot of decisions to be made, and he's done nothing. He's stuck in limbo. You're right. There's no other word for it. I mean, that's just what pops pops out there is limbo. I mean, you can't do anything. You're just sitting there. It makes me wonder why Hendon Hooker wanted to commit to Tennessee right now because seriously, you must really love the Vols because that's the only reason you're going to commit there when you have no clue who the head coach, who the quarterback's coach, who any of that's going to be next season. What? Though fortunately for Hooker, he's the type of player that I think could succeed in pretty much any environment. His I agree. I, I mean, I, I think the kid just wants playing time uh, more than anything and a chance to win some football games. And I believe, looking at the stable of quarterbacks, he's going to get that opportunity this coming year. Um, and so that's cool. But I, I would throw out, what do we think about the stuff that Jay Graham has been tweeting? Jay Graham running back coach for Tennessee. And he's kind of tweeting like nothing's going on. He's just like posting Vol dogs going to hunt Vol dogs going to hunt with a picture of Smokey. Uh, he retweeted Hendon hooker. He, and obviously it's not like he can come out and say stuff, but there's no other coaches tweeting like that. I guess we did see a tweet from T Martin this week about also about Hendon hooker. Um, but, I, I've just noticed Jay Graham in particular because he's he's tweeted a little bit more than other guys. Yeah, he's been more out there, and it kind of just makes me think, you know, in, in any situation, a good assistant coach is coaching for that program until the moment they're not. They're recruiting until the very end because that reputation is going to go with them wherever they go. And Jay Graham, I don't know what his future holds. I would love to see him be the running backs coach at Tennessee for the rest of his career, I mean, if that's what he wants to do. He's a great guy, and I really like having him on staff. I liked it when he was there in 2012. I hated when he left, when Butch Jones got the job. But I think it's just a situation where he is a former Vol. He's going to give literally his all for this job until he's not the running backs coach at Tennessee. And if it is really in limbo, he doesn't really know. Maybe he will be back, and the whole staff's back next year or whatever staff Pruitt has. You don't want to be behind if that's the case. That is my exact take, is he's just tweeting through it. <laughs> he's just <laughs> like, what? if you're in his position, what else can you do, man? I, I I don't know. I mean, besides just not, just don't tweet anything, but I think he kind of wants to keep maybe his name out there a little bit if things fall apart. And then also, just like you're saying, keep himself in front of recruits that he might be, you know, talking to or whatever it, it might be there. Yeah. I mean, I think he's just kind of trying to be business as usual because what else is he supposed to do? Uh, I know some people were trying to read into that a little bit more. I, I just don't, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that it means one way or another for proof. Like some people were trying to say, Oh, well, Jay Graham's just tweet. Jay Graham's acting like nothing's happening. So how we know anything? So it, it's that it doesn't mean anything either. Yeah. I think uh, it I think it means that he would prefer to stay at Tennessee because Jay Graham could go get a yeah. job somewhere else by now if he wanted to, if he was really like, I got to get out of this situation. But I think he also knows that if something happens with Pruitt, whoever comes to Tennessee will probably want to retain Jay Graham. Why would you not? If they're smart, they, they will. I mean, If they're not Butch Jones. 
Yeah. I mean, Which he did he, try to retain him, to be fair. Graham just knew better than to work for Butch Jones. <laughs> Jay, Jay Graham's a smart guy. Yeah. He get out of town. <laughs> the one that perplexes me is T. Martin because his contract's expiring. All signs indicate that he's not going to be back. I thought maybe he would go to Texas with Sarkeesian. I've heard rumors about Auburn. I'm, I guess we heard those same rumors about Ole Miss when Kiffin got hired there. I'm surprised he's still on staff at Tennessee right now. I know his contract expires January 31st. They can't give out new ones right now because of Pruitt being in limbo, but I kind of thought he'd be gone by now with, with everything going on. I did too. He's, I've said it before, he's really perfectly set up to go somewhere else right now. And I do think if he was going to be able to get another head coaching job, he would have gotten one already. That opportunity's probably passed for this year for him. Uh, unless something, you know, I don't know, Tennessee hires some no-name and then that job opens up, maybe he'd be in contention. But um, that ship might have sailed. It's just... I, you just don't want it to go any more south than it has with T. It's kind of one of those situations you don't want to have to to fire one of your own sons, sort of. No, no. Uh, and, and so just... Hope Not to mention, you're still recruiting his four-star son. <laughs> that is also true. Um, but I, it, the, the whole thing, I mean, I feel bad for these coaches. I do. I, I Genuinely, I feel bad for them because they, they're they not getting the, the closure on their contract if you're like T and your contract's coming up. Uh, and there's not a ton of openings because of the COVID year and everything for places for you to jump to. I mean, it's got to be a weird kind of cliff to be standing on the edge of for a, a bunch of those guys, and it sucks. And it, it is it is what it is. I clearly, according to all the reports, this compliance thing is ongoing still. But here's a little more additional: some things that un- unfolded this week. Um. The, the folks who were kind of in, in the know and have been talking to folks in the know around that say that it is coming to a conclusion. Um, I, I had uh, my, my old employer, Jason Swain, in, in a tweet, and I don't want to read too much into his words to me. They're not my words. Take it to what it is. Go listen to his program. It's great every morning at 7 a.m. Uh, here in Knoxville. But uh, he he's – let me see if I can find – exactly what he told me so i don't misquote it it was a couple days ago this is great radio me just looking through my tweets this is awesome well i can't find it but either way it's gone, he, it's gone forever he he indicated to me that it was it was getting closer to to the conclusion um and we were kind of going back and forth on fulmer's role in the whole thing and you can think about that, what you want. Ah, here it is right here. He said, um, oh my gosh, dude. Here it is. Y'all are doing all this huffing and puffing like they don't know that. And and I had said, um, I had, you, this is, this is convoluted. I shouldn't have gone down this rabbit hole. 
I didn't realize I know how it how is, though. What you think? What you think about that tweet? That's all. It's it's there. You have to find it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> this this conversation was way more convoluted than I remembered. I I thought that it was just. Kind I of remember the, the conversation the you're AB. talking about now. You you had quote tweeted something, and I was responding to your quote tweet, and <laughs> it's like a whole thing. Um, I said, I I just said, Fulmer needs to hear that there's never been a better time, honestly, for Tennessee to make a hire. That was the bulk of the of the conversation. And Swain says, guys, y'all doing all this stuff and puffing like they don't know that. Just let it play out. A uh, few days away from closure. That's how he said it. We're just a few days away from closure. Fulmer isn't making the decision here. I, I think we all knew that. This is this is in the hands of the people with the money. I mean, that's always me, been the case of Tennessee. If Fulmer's not making the decision, which, like you said, we pretty much know that, I think he's fired either way, and it all comes down to the buyout. I mean, because they don't, I don't know. You, you don't go this far into this investigation and fight. It'd be different if Jeremy Pruitt went 8-2 and two this year. Then you're fighting the keeping. You you don't you know you're it's Urban Meyer up there you're you're taking a blind eye you're doing whatever you have to do you're suspending him for a game for whatever you know you're finding a way to keep him but three and seven when he was already on the hot seat and a lot of people I mean we were calling for his job way before this investigation stuff how do you you're not going to fight for that are you I no and the. The whole thing with all that is just at this point, it's hard for me to really wrap my head around exactly what they're what they're thinking. Like where I guess I guess the the factor in, in all of it is probably I don't think they ever wanted this to become public information. I think that's the wrench in all of it. Maybe, maybe that's my my assertion because otherwise it just seems so mishandled so mishandled as most things in tennessee's athletic department are um it's always so much messier when tennessee's involved and it's really stunning i mean we make jokes about will wade at lsu and the way he's been able to keep his job but nothing about that and that's a way worse deal i mean he's on tape you know wanting to pay players like pruitt has nowhere near that territory that we know of and that doesn't seem anywhere near as messy as this deal it's that's baffling i just i guess you just expect it at this point out out of tennessee even when they're trying it's it appears that they're trying to be sly probably conduct this investigation to try to get this guy out the door for cheaper they can't even do that sort of stuff right and it's almost comical (laughs) that they thought they could uh, <laughs> I'll give them. I'll give them props though. Like every every season of Tennessee football coaching search disaster has had its own twist and turns. Like they don't follow the same formula every time. And you, it's it really could be the greatest thirty for thirty that ESPN ever did. It would need to be about a week long because you couldn't focus on just one part of it. But no. They There's truly, the originality and the way they screw up is something else. So many layers to that whole conundrum and what exactly it means. Because I, I see a lot of people, like the people that get angry on, on Facebook when we post stuff about firing Pruitt. 
Like if you don't have, and I think this is just true because most of the people that have all the context are with us. If you don't have all the context of the absolute BS garbage that has happened with this athletic department over the years, you probably do think about it a lot more linearly as, and what I mean by that is like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't just fire a guy every three, four years. High turnover is not great. A much more simplified version of everything. Rather than looking at the overall history of Tennessee and just the total total incompetence from top to bottom that has pervaded that athletic department. I, I mean, I, I get that. And I always kind of have to remind myself of that when we get those responses or it's yeah, like, you've got a it, lot of fans that aren't on Twitter. Um, a lot of fans that maybe yeah. aren't listening to, you know, radio every single day that they're just seeing the headlines in the paper. They're seeing exactly. the Shiano headline in the paper there's, you know, this and that. They're not really on Twitter 24 hours a day on message boards and stuff like that, really getting the the behind-the-scenes story and all that. I, I can understand that. I can see that. But it's still... Some of those responses are just... <laughs> some of them are totally off the map. I agree. <laughs> Where it's just like, are you watching the same football team that I am? Did you actually watch the games? Because I think that you just read about it in an article from the New Sentinel. <laughs> you know what's funny to me, what's really funny to me about the Facebook stuff is, you know, you see plenty, and I'm, I'm seeing less and less of it now that this investigation, yeah. I, it really feels like folks could, uh, they could handle three and seven, but you go into a recruiting investigation and a lot of old school thinking of, no, I'm not going to stand for that. But I'm surprised at how many tweets uh, and Facebook posts I saw that said, I, you know, that people would prefer Butch Jones over Jeremy Pruitt. And that, Ooh. I never thought I would see that. And see, that's, that is one, I will say, lucky Butch Jones. That son of a B word. Um, a lot of people did not know that that guy's just a bad person. Hopefully right, he's right. hopefully he's changed in in time uh and getting you know essentially being Saban's whipping boy. I, I hope that he's had a shift. No, in he has not because the tweet so. that oh, the tweet God. the tweet where he went back to Alabama uh for the championship game and said unfinished business and you're the assistant to the head coach or whatever your title is. And I just think that David Cutcliffe did not even coach in the championship game in, in 1999 because he was at Ole Miss. And I, the fact that Cutcliffe yeah. walked away from that 98 team because he he took a new job and he wanted to be with that team. No, Butch Jones, you don't get the claim unfinished business when you're an analyst or whatever at Alabama. The, I'm sorry. the perfect example to me – and I, did, I tweeted about this with that stupid, stupid tweet that Butch put up about, we just had to make a quick business trip back to <laughs> yes. whatever he said. In the pictures that he attached to that tweet, this dude is holding up his wrist mm. with a big, big, fat, expensive watch on it. And if you don't know, Got the sleeve with Butch, up. He, oh man, that guy loved the watches. He loved the shoes and he loved, I mean, he, that guy did more retail therapy than like in, in 
I mean, just uh, old. I I don't I don't want to say I, it, he loved. He loved going and shopping, drowning his sorrows at old Neiman Marcus over there. I mean, he just was. That's who he is as a person. Hasn't changed for a second. Here, here's my watch because I'm so insecure. I mean, that that tweet just it, it made me sick. I, Butch. Yeah, I don't think Butch has changed even in, in and out. But going all the way back to what we were saying originally, um, the people yeah. that would still want Butch. I mean, it it wasn't just like public information that he wasn't a good person as media folks that were around the team. We knew, we knew what was going on behind the scenes. We heard all the stories and we had direct interaction with Butch. I think I told one of the, one of the stories on here. Like I had uh, like at one point, just me and, and another reporter uh, were having, we were making fun of Butch in the facility and one of his little minions heard and told on us, and we had to get sent to the principal's office and get a talking to because Butch didn't like that we were saying that Butch sucked, even though the Butch sucked. He didn't like that, that we were in the facility going, well, Butch isn't the best coach on planet Earth, and then he we had to get a talking to. That's the type of guy that Butch is. Thank God. Pruitt doesn't do that type of stuff. Thank goodness, and, and God bless him for at least having that much um, you know, confidence in himself. But... I, that's point being, I get it from people who say, oh, we'd be better off with with Butch. Like, if you don't know all of that nonsense with Butch, yeah, you probably think that because he did a better job, like pound for pound on the football field coaching than Pruitt has so far. Yeah, so, he really did, which is, yeah. is this, that, uh, <laughs> no one should ever want Butch Jones back at Tennessee. No one. No. And the no. fact that this is even a conversation or, or just something we're even lightly discussing is further proof that Pruitt has no business being a head coach at Tennessee. I will say thank thank God for that ESPN report this week because it it really brought that compliance investigation into everybody's view. I think a lot of people thought we were just like making it up. Again, the local guys know better than the national guys. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> Anywho, and I have it, uh, quite a few like non-Tennessee fans uh, that are as friends, and I had people just this week. You know, this has been going on for weeks. Like you said, just this week, they're texting me screenshots like, "Hey, man, what's going on at Tennessee? What's up?" It changed the conversation around it. It, it made the guys. Th- there was definitely a narrative. There's been this whole set of people on Twitter that when I've tweeted about firing, or or you too, I'm sure you see the same guys. Um, when we tweet about firing Jeremy Pruitt, they pop up and they go, we don't even know. We There's no, he's not in limbo. He's not actually, there's not. And then all of that stopped when that ESPN report came out. Suddenly it became legitimate to everybody across the board. So thank you to Mark Schlebaugh. Let me say, as somebody who's been in this media business, I implicitly trust uh, Brent Hubbs, Jimmy Himes, Tony Basilio, all those guys way more than Mark Schlebaugh. Though they all know so, so, so much more what's going on in the Tennessee football program than Mark Schlebaugh does. Mark Schlebaugh just got the drop and he works for a bigger outlet. So anyway, yeah, that's a my lot of that. Right, yeah. But. And some of that comes based off of those local reporters too, because they've, it does. He has built relationships with those longtime reporters too. I mean, if you're at ESPN, you, those are kind of the guys that you talk to. And some of them build their reports on that stuff, stuff that maybe local guys don't necessarily want to put out there as much. Yeah, and 
either way, it got it into the mainstream, and we've <laughs> we've used most of the podcast to just talk about that and kind of get sidetracked about Butch Jones' nonsense. Let's move into what we did want the the bulk of this show uh, to be, and those three scenarios for if Pruitt is gone. So all all of that leading up to saying it is looking likely that they're going to move on from Pruitt, and if they don't. <sighs> How do you bring this guy back at this point? Let's let's start this conversation off by saying saying that it just seems inevitable because if you froze this dude's hiring, you don't allow him to extend the coaches that he might want to extend or fire the ones that he wants to fire and you hamstring him like this, you're not which essentially puts puts a real damper on your recruiting efforts because recruits look at ESPN too and I I mean, how's players leaving? Back? Players leaving that will leave. Yes. I guess in in this week, that was another thing that happened that we haven't even touched on yet. Ty Chandler enters the transfer portal, which I I would say I almost expected. Yeah, it wasn't surprising. Yeah, he had gotten hopped on on the depth chart. Um, But, I mean, you just have this whole set of guys who, who are jumping ship. Now I don't know what the official number is, but it's I believe in the double digits of guys that well, have transferred. Yeah, rumors about Wanya Morris entering the yeah, portal. Wanya Morris, it's uh, looking like he's gone. Man. Harrison Bailey, after the way his dad tweeted about Jeremy Pruitt, oh, you wonder God. about him. Then if hey, look, if Pruitt stays, they have a real shot to land Eric Gilbert, you know, one of the top twenty twenty yep. recruits in the nation. But if Pruitt's gone and Bailey's gone, that's not happening. So that's you know, with all that in limbo, it really, because I kind of wrote about it this week. If you're going to fire Pruitt, then because of these players leaving, you better have a plan, an immediate plan mm-hmm. in place. Otherwise, it's going to go way worse than what it is now. I mean, that that's why a, a lot of people I've seen rationalize it as, well, if they were going to fire him, don't you think they would have done that already? Actually, no. I think the exact opposite. I think if they were going to keep him, they would have said it already. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. And once Chris, once Chris Lowe said, you know, you want to talk about national guys, Chris Lowe is the one national guy that actually is dialed in at Tennessee and does know what's going on. Right. Chris does. Yeah. So when he says something about it's going to be hard for Jeremy Pruitt to keep his job, it, the writing's on the wall at that point. Let me, let me say this about what Chris, so Chris Lowe went on 3HL in Nashville. Uh, big, they're, I think the biggest show on that station. Um, and I believe the way that he put it was that it would be "quote unquote" difficult for Tennessee to bring Jeremy Pruitt back. That was the word he used. Lowe came on with us at Swain's show every single week. He still does every week. Um, and I mean, I just got to know Lowe and his whole deal through that pretty well. Chris Lowe does not say it that way unless he really thinks. It's gonna be difficult. He 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 chooses his words very wisely. He frames things in a specific way because he knows he knows that people like us are gonna talk about the things that he says mm-hmm. because he is a trusted trusted source and again lives in Knoxville even though he's a national guy at ESPN. It's a lot uh, different when Chris Lowe says it than when Adam Rittenberg or somebody says it. Yes, and Lowe does not say that unless he means it. It's going to be difficult to bring this guy back. And to me, really, to me, that was where I, I switched over. When I saw mm-hmm. Lowe say that, I was like, ooh, this, this dude's done. I, yeah, I, I've been I bouncing back and forth. I've, I've been texting Austin, the, uh, one of the co-owners of A to Z Sports. 
you know, throughout all this. And one day I'm like, yeah, I'm 50% he's back or I'm 80% he's back. And after I heard that, I was like, I'm 90% he's out. Like, yeah, I, I don't see it. I agree. And so with that whole pretext, let's talk about sort of the three scenarios that could possibly unfold here. Let's say that this this all ends in whatever happens. They get the buyout down. They don't get the buyout down. Whatever it is, somebody agrees to foot the bill to get this guy and his staff out of here. Where does Tennessee turn uh, at that point? And our, our first of these three scenarios is the splash hire. To a lot of people, this means Hugh Freeze. Uh, because it just seems like he's he's the biggest name. He's the name that keeps getting thrown around for everybody, while at the same time, it's kind of an odd splash hire because there are schools that have passed him up that probably could have hired him. Um, and so what would you think of that first scenario? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what that's going to be the John Gruden, uh, the rumors and stuff, if, if this happens, which at least with Hugh Freeze, he's not like Gruden in the fact that he's very quiet and, and likes to play the game Hugh Freeze is pretty straight up like I feel like he's gonna say if Jeremy Pruitt gets fired I mean he's not gonna you know be shy about wanting the job he he already isn't behind the scenes there was rumors I mean this dude wants this job bad 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 and he's been going out on Twitter and directly kind of trying to defend his name we've talked about it on here um but there was a rumor, I, and I'll say I heard about this on Tony Basilio's show that I've been listening to it a few times a week now, just lately. Uh, and Basilio said there were rumors that Hugh was telling his staff, if we end this season right, if we win this bowl game, I'm going to be the head coach at Tennessee. Like, that's that's our. He was, like, telling his staff, like, that's us. We're going to Knoxville. Like, there, and, I mean, I just everything points to the fact that this dude desperately wants this job. I honestly give this scenario a 5% chance of happening. I think there's a there's a better chance that hell freezes over uh next week than than Tennessee making to me the most sensible hire and just giving Hugh Freeze this second chance. Um it Isn't just, it it makes, bizarre because all these other scenarios over the years with Tennessee, the hires haven't happened because they told Tennessee no. And for there this to be this situation where this is the guy that that everybody thinks could bring Tennessee back and could be successful, and then Tennessee tells him no. Like what? It's so Tennessee, it hurts. So like, stupid. You finally there, have the your answer. The guy that wants to be there, that's beaten it, saving twice at Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss, not at. Ohio State, not at Auburn, not at Georgia, at Ole Miss. He beat Nick Saban twice. Good I mean, Nick Saban I, teams, and you tell him no. I've already given my spiel in terms of the the thing that people always bring up is, oh, the NCAA stuff. The, the NCAA can take a long walk off a short pier. Who cares about the NCAA? If you get Hugh Freeze for like five good years and then it ends in a blaze of, of glory with an NCAA investigation, so be it. But, you know, whatever. The NCAA is is virtually powerless, powerless, just nonsense organization. Ignore them completely. The SEC is not going to shut you down. I mean, we just, that's, I think that's completely overblown. And I, a lot of people also have said, oh, well, his desperation is what I don't like. To me, that's what I love. I see in this guy just pure, like, scratching and clawing to get back to greatness. And that's exactly what I want in a coach here. 
Obviously, he has the history where he built Ole Miss from the ground up, which is a way harder job than Tennessee. Let's say that. But then I think he just has this insatiable desire to make this work. And who knows what a guy can do with that kind of fire underneath him. I think the fire is so, so lit. That's that's what scares me with kind of our, our next scenario with a sort of fallback guy. It scares me a little bit because I'm not sure the motivation will be there. It's- yeah, I'll say with, with Freeze, I think for, to, to expound on what you're saying, the fact he went to Liberty to be the head coach with the energy he did and turned them into what he's done after being in the SEC would have been real easy for him to go somewhere and just be an offensive coordinator or to sit out, wait till his, he was good to come back to the SEC, be an offensive coordinator or whatever, or go somewhere else where he went to the small stage to coach because he loves coaching, coaching kids, turning them, turning teams around. I mean, yeah, you, you want that type of energy. And that's what I said, a, you know, a few podcasts ago is that, Jeremy Pruitt just doesn't have the energy that it requires to turn this program around on top of his other short followings. I, I don't want to get too caught up with freeze because again, I think, <laughs> yeah, it's not happening. That's not happening. Um, and, and I say that, I mean, I wish it would, but it just, Tennessee's just not, they're not commonsensical enough to do that. <laughs> Is not. there is there another home run hire that you feel would be out there? That's what I was going to lead into. I mean, no, not really. Uh, you know, people have been saying like, what if we went and gave Urban Meyer 13? Urban Meyer. Well, that's also here. not happening. Urban Meyer's not gonna, Urban Meyer's going to go to the NFL. Is what he's he would have went to Texas if that was the case. Yeah, exactly. Texas has money for days and days and days. They got more money than Tennessee has, and he's not going there. Um, and it's easier to win in the big. And it's a too. better situation, yeah. Yeah. So, although I do believe Texas has a pretty similar thing, where there's just too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes mm-hmm. to like donors and all that crap. But, um, I mean that it would be somebody like that. You may you steal a coach from somewhere else, like Lane Kiffin, maybe. That's one a lot of people would love. I would love, but come on. Oh, I would. Surely, surely Lane has he he might want the Tennessee job I mean I've I've heard, he wanted it so badly uh mm-hmm. when Pruitt was hired Lane Lane would have crawled on broken glass to get here um and he probably still would be happy to take it but surely he's matured up and he's not gonna hop out on a program I think you know it's funny is like the irony here is I think Tennessee is the one place that he would leave Ole Miss for after a year you know it's kind of like what he said about USC because I remember Monty Kiffin has done several interviews, and he so regrets the way that that they left Tennessee. Uh, and I think Kiffin, to an extent, does too. I think he he wanted to be the head coach at USC, and I don't think he regrets trying it. But I think he wishes, in retrospect, of knowing how things worked out at USC, that he would have stayed at Tennessee. But his whole family really liked Knoxville. Man, the redemption story there. I mean, that would be. There'd be a lot of older fans that you'd have some issues with that that wouldn't really embrace that type of hire, and I don't think Philip Fomer would be on board with that at all. But man, it would be fun. Oh, if you it want swag, be... the swagger badge at Tennessee, that's that's your guy. I still hang on to the fact that when Kiff Kiffin got hired at Tennessee, Lil Wayne dropped his name in a rap song, 
And it was, I was in, I was at UT at the time. I was a freshman at UT. And we thought that that was like the coolest thing that had ever happened. We're like, we got a coach that Lil Wayne's rapping about. This is so sick, dude. And to have kind of that energy back, obviously he doesn't have that sort of that much swagger anymore, but to have that kind of energy back at Knoxville would be so much fun, man. The 2009 2009 South Carolina game is like the last time I remember Tennessee just being like, just naturally that yeah i mean we've not had that same feeling since that year yeah it's it was really he might have gotten in pretty serious ncaa trouble but if he didn't it tennessee was going places with lane kiffin they almost beat a really good alabama team and i exactly yeah but that that's definitely i would put kiffin in the home run higher category yes so he's in there too um, but otherwise, eh. so, realistically, yeah, that's about it. And so and those you, aren't you know, that realistic. Yeah. At, at this point, I think we're both kind of in consensus. Like that's, it's just Tennessee is just not yeah. smart enough to do Feel that. free to prove me wrong by all means. Yes. Please, 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 please do. But then there's the safe hires, which I, I think are your, your right now, Tom Herman, Gus Malzahn, kind of guys that are proven and would potentially be easier to get um, yeah, because they're out of a job and just right. like, kind of sitting right there. Um, Doug Maroney probably in that category. Yeah, D- Doug Marone is definitely about to get tossed into the trash. Uh, and so is Bill O'Brien in there? Would you think? I, I just don't. I would very much take Doug Marone before I would take Bill O'Brien. I, I just think his he was a dictator down in, in Houston and just tried to run every little piece of oh, everything he thought he knew best. And I don't think that's what we need at Tennessee right now. Although I guess he, he, he would did well the, at Penn State. He did. And he would fit kind of the, uh, I guess, the CEO sort of thing. Clearly, yeah. he wants to run everything. Um but I just there were some real signs of him with the Texans that I did not love. Um, but anytime you bring in an NFL guy, you are gonna have that element specifically with recruiting where you can go into a kid's home and be like, I know how to get you to the NFL because I was there. I know I know what NFL teams look for. I was a head coach of one, you know, and, and there's kind of that. And then the first it. recruit says, Yeah, but you traded DeAndre Hopkins and we just don't understand how <laughs> you could let something like that happen. Exactly. So there were some red flags with him, with the Texans. And just in general, I didn't think that he was a, a great coach, even though, I mean, he gave the, the Titans hell. But the Titans, up until the last four years, have kind of been a garbage organization in the last decade. But anyway, um, and we lost today. Dang it. I won't go into it, though. I'm still hurting. Um, but... I uh, so if, if I, I don't they, know, but I guess I would I would include those in this safe hire though, where I think people people would go, oh, that's nice, that's that's a good that's a good hire, yeah, yeah. I think you'd hear some pushback of, eh, we're we're hiring somebody else, somebody that you know Auburn paid Gus Malzahn to go away, or Tom Herman couldn't get get it done at Texas. Why is he going to get it done at Tennessee? And to those people, I say, you know, who wouldn't sign up for eight wins a year at this point? And then. Exactly. You got to get to that point before you get beyond that point. 
uh, Tennessee's kind of in a situation where, where if they don't hire a home run hire, they need the guy before the guy almost. I mean, it kind of feels yeah. that way. It's I mean, there, there of- has been, there's been talk of kind of a setup hire of sorts where like you, you really, and honestly, I think to some extent, if you think he could get in an NCAA trouble, freeze could be that he's, He's been a guy who goes places. I believe he was at Arkansas State for one year and then Ole Miss. It just, the talk, the clock was ticking on his time at Ole Miss. And so maybe he's not a long-term, you know, all the way down the road kind of guy, but could make things far better at Tennessee and then kind of pass it on to the next guy. I What I, about this will... This will get a reaction, I'm sure. What about Jeff Fisher after his comments this week? <laughs> so Jeff Fisher goes on some radio show in in Nashville. I don't remember ex- the exact one it was, but he was asked, "Would you consider the Tennessee job?" And he like emphatically said, "Yeah, yes, I would. I would <laughs> yeah. be very interested in the Tennessee job." That's not weird. not the standard response because usually it's like, well, they have a head coach, great tradition there, really love what they're doing, or you know, you get kind of that usual response. And he says something like, "If yeah, for some reason Jeremy Pruitt's not the coach, I yeah, yeah, I'd love it." I would what be would- very skeptical. I first of all, I'd put him in this wild card category that we're going to discuss in a second. I think i would be very skeptical up front guy hasn't coached it down a football since 2016 when he got fired from the rams um at the same time it does kind of make my heart skip a beat to think about the guy that took the titans to the super bowl being the coach of tennessee <laughs> i'll be honest i'm a huge titans fan i'm wearing a Titans shirt right now and drinking out of a titans cup i love the titans and to have jeff fisher in knoxville would be exciting for me at the same time so it, he's kind of the twin. I guess he would be kind of in between the safe hire. Clearly, he's in your wheelhouse. He would be very interested in the job, but also he would be a wild card of sorts. Um, mm-hmm. I, but I, I think still people would be like, hmm. I, I don't know. I think it would create excitement in the fan base, but not like a, a Lane Kiffin, Hugh Freeze. It, it just wouldn't be on that same level. None of those guys would be. Um, I feel like if and- you hired Jeff Fisher. It's really kind of that hire I was talking about where you're you just you're bringing somebody in to kind of get the program straight for three or four years and to get it on solid ground to get it yeah. to seven, eight wins a year where you can hire that guy that then takes it to the next level. I I agree. And Jeff Fisher, I believe he's 61, 62 years old. So he's yeah, he's already kind of advanced in age. It probably would definitely be a could definitely be a complete disaster too where the guys i don't has he ever when was the last time he coached in college or has he's he ever never coached he, college ball. Okay. That, that's another thing he's so never that would be a concern college. um beyond the fact that he hasn't coached in you know four years five years yeah there's there's it could be a complete disaster too but i'll say i thought herm edwards was going to be a complete disaster at arizona state and it it hasn't been amazing but it, he's he's got the program on level ground right now that's the one that I looked at in having conversations about that, where I went, Arizona State did it with Herb Edwards, and weirdly it's working out. And I, I was know. like, there's this is what is Arizona State doing? Like, what? He was out of coaching even longer than Jeff Fisher. And I, I thought that was a bizarre hire to begin with. And it's. Uh, I could see Fisher legitimately 
being able to come in and and be a real a real manager. And I th- I think that's what's happening with Herm Edwards too. He's he's letting the coach right. just coach, yes. and he's kind of sitting up top, um, and but and pulling all the strings. Of, I mean, that's kind of what Tennessee's. I mean, that's what they've been missing. Yeah, you're not gonna get. Here's what the, Pruitt can't do. Yeah, here's the the depressing part about Tennessee right now is when Butch Jones was here, it was, well, if he would have just put together a good staff. I mean, we were talking about it before we started recording some of the coaches that Tennessee had under Butch Jones with Larry Scott as your offensive coordinator or Mike Canales as your quarterback's coach and all these guys that really had no business being the, in these positions in the SEC. Jeremy Pruitt has had several staffs now, a lot of staff turnover, and he's continued to have quality coaches for the most part in those positions, guys with SEC experience, well-known guys, and still can't find the success. I mean, all they're missing is somebody that knows how to manage the whole program and let everybody do their job and kind of help build that culture from the top down and be that, you know, we keep saying it, that CEO that's really with the talent that they have, that's really all they're missing. And maybe Jeff Fisher could do that and, and be okay. Maybe. And so, yeah. So yeah, I'll throw him into, into kind of that safe category again, because it's, it's pretty clear he'd at least be interested in the job. And, and I think it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a splash, but people would go, "Hmm, that seems decent. Um, And then there's the wild, the wild card. We can finish on, on this. This is where I personally, my this is my odds on favorite. Tennessee is not sensical enough to go out and literally go through a list of like six different guys um, and that would be like pretty decent hires, if not great hires. Yeah, I mean. They're going to go all the way to the bottom of the list immediately. It, That's just it my should, It should really never get past Gus Malzahn or Tom Herman. Like take no. your pick of those two, whichever one you prefer, it should not get past them. That I mean, should be floor, your floor. The floor, floor, floor yeah. should be Jeff Fisher, Doug Marone, Bill O'Brien. Like that's that should be yeah. like whoopsie, I missed out on other guys, and so I got to fall to Doug Marone. Yeah, you don't have to go hire the athletic director from Louisiana Tech this time. You have options. <laughs> I none of none of these guys would at all be a proven entity. It's hard. Uh, obviously, I think we're we're talking your. Your Chadwells, your Napiers, yeah. Uh, who who else are some of these guys? Um, I feel like Napier is kind of really, you know, he's got some Tennessee connections. I think he was born in Tennessee, grew up in Georgia type guy. But he's another Nick Saban guy. Do you really want to go down that path again? I mean, he's had success at Louisiana, but. And then Chadwell is one that's very interesting to me. And I've went back and forth on him. Coastal Carolina head coach has done a terrific job there. Very energetic guy. I've been skeptical about what he could do at Tennessee because he has no power five experience at all. Um, his offense is a kind of intricate. It's not really a triple option, but it's got some triple option aspects to it. It's, it could be you're not going to come in and run that offense overnight with whoever's on Tennessee's roster, except maybe Hendon Hooker, which is what I was hinting at earlier. If Chadwell ends up being your guy and you've got Hooker, 
that is a combination that I think could be interesting at Tennessee in 2021 that I would, I'd feel kind of optimistic about that situation. And I didn't think that before hooker committed to Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't like th- those hires while they would be to me, not, not a, not a failure at all, but you definitely have whiffed on some other guys. I would hope they, the thing about those hires is they usually don't work out. Exactly. That's exactly it. While I can rationalize it in my head, exactly like mm-hmm. we're doing here and say, the situation is not bad. I think he could work with it. He could do this. He could do that. The thing is, like, I yeah. For every it, Urban it, it, Meyer at Bowling Green, there's a Derek Dooley type situation or yeah. Scott Frost situation where it just it doesn't work out. But there's, I, I guess I'm I'm trying to think exactly how to how to say it. SEC football. You know, a lot of people think that it thinks very highly of itself and it's just overrated. That may be true to a certain extent. SEC football is still such a different animal to just drop a guy into that hasn't been there before. It's such a different animal. Recruiting and specifically the depths that these guys will go to in recruiting to screw over other schools and and create an advantage for themselves. I mean, it knows no bounds. It is the dirtiest, grossest. Every if your common fan knew some of the stuff that happened in recruiting. I mean, it kind of it kind of came out a little bit with like the whole Louisville thing with Rick Pitino, where they are hiring strippers and stuff. Your common fan would just be horrified by the things that happen in big time college football and basketball recruiting. I mean, it's terrific, and. To drop those kind of elements, and on top of the fact that you're going from just a small school, Louisiana, Napier would know better because he's been in the SEC, but like a Chadwell, to bring him up in the SEC kind of horrifies me. Yeah, like the, if he if he had some experience as an assistant somewhere in the SEC, or really any Power 5 school, but especially the SEC, I'd feel a little better about that situation because he's been a head coach for several different programs some of the programs I had not heard of before <laughs> this year, but he does have at least an idea of how to run a program. Unlike Pruitt, who was never even a head coach at the high school level. But like you said, not having that sec cutthroat understanding the recruiting trail, the kind of stuff that's out there, the way these other schools are recruiting against you, he really would be a fish out of water. And I mean, we saw it a little bit with Butch Jones, not having that sec experience. Chadwell would be even, even more out there. I think, here is a scenario, and, and all credit where credit is due on this. And to me, being the unbelievable cynic that I am about Tennessee and just our complete dysfunction in terms of the athletic department, what I could see happen <laughs> is this. John, so the, the, uh, first of all, I'll say this. Dan Harrelson was the person... He covers Tennessee. If you don't know him, go follow him. He does excellent, excellent work, and he digs deep, and this is such an amazing example of how deep this guy digs. He's so good. I've tried to get him on the show, and schedules just haven't worked out because I want him to say things like this on the show and explain it. Um, there, There is some talk that if Pruitt goes, Fulmer goes also. That hasn't been talked about a lot. We'll see. I, I'm not convinced on on that, but if he did, the the likely person to replace him would be John 
Gilbert, who has been at Tennessee before. He was, I believe, an associate AD at Tennessee, and then now he's the AD at Eastern Carolina. And he went to Lenore Rhine. John Gilbert did. You know who else went to Lenore Rhine? Uh, is Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes has a lot of pull. I believe he knows John Gilbert to some extent, a little bit of connection there. Um, and you know who else has a connection to Lenore Rhine and was kind of a, hey, you went to a school that I knew of, or you coached a school that I knew of sort of hire, is Mike Houston, the coach at Eastern Carolina. He was the Lenore Rhine coach for three years and was very successful, 29-8 and eight over three years, went to uh, the second round in the championship game of uh, the Division II playoffs, had real success there, and then John Gilbert hires him in Eastern Carolina. He's been a disaster at Eastern Carolina, 7-14 and 14 in two years. But um, what I would expect Tennessee to do, <laughs> you fire Fulmer, you bring in John Gilbert to replace him, First of all, it should be David Blackburn. That's an entire other podcast. But anyway. Um, and then John Gilbert hires Mike Houston as Tennessee's football coach, who is 7-14 and 14 at Eastern Carolina. That's what Tennessee will do. Just <laughs> shut it down. Do like UAB did. Shut it down for a couple of years. And we'll just try again in 2024 and see what happens then. Because, no. You... <laughs> That's Keep what's going to happen. Keep I'm convinced. At, that point. at least Pruitt can recruit <laughs> something, you know. I mean, that's, again, that that's from Dan Harrelson. Go, go I would not, it would not Dan, Dan was not, when he came up with that connection, I do not think that Dan was, like, he was trying to draw. He was on Basilio's show when I was listening, and he was, like, really trying to draw, like, on a deep hire Tennessee could make, and that's the one he came up with. Stuff like this happens, though. I mean, John Curry just went to Wake Forest. I think he extended Dave Clawson, who was they were at Tennessee at the same time. Mm -hmm. He hires Steve Forbes, another Tennessee connection. That that's how that stuff works. It really does. It does. It's if you think that coaching in college football is a straight up meritocracy, give me a break. Uh, give me a break, because you know who just got hired at Auburn? We already mentioned it tonight. You know who just got hired at Auburn is Will Friend. You think Will Friend is getting that job under Brian Harson because his offensive line was great at Tennessee? No. No. Brian Harson wanted Mike Bobo. Exactly. And he's like, well, I'm bringing Will Friend with me. And he said, all right, you know, bring him on. <laughs> Will, and Will. Will Friend fails upward. Uh, and instead of getting crushed for having a terrible offensive line with a bunch of five stars this year, you know what is humorous about Will Friend is like he he left his contract a month early, and Tennessee is reportedly pursuing that month's worth of money, <laughs> and I, I definitely think that they should because Will Friend does not deserve that money, and he no. didn't take the pandemic pay cut. So yeah, all's get that fair. money back, Tennessee. Yes, all's fair in love and war. Um, is what it is. But no, there's there's a lot of coaches out there, probably at smaller schools. People like Jamie Chadwell, that if they had been given the opportunities, they they could be just as successful as Kirby Smart or Dan Mullen. I mean, those aren't yeah. the only guys that can be successful at Georgia and Florida by any means. There's plenty of them out. I bet there's some at the high school level that are then just as good of coaches. I mean, honestly, I I would almost be more comfortable with a guy who had had experience in a Southeastern high school than a guy who has never been at an SEC 
school. Well, I mean, look at, I mean, Gus Malzahn and Hugh Freeze were those examples. Yeah. I mean, Hugh was deep in it. Uh, There are some, some stories of his shenanigans uh, back with like recruiting kids uh, back then or getting his kids recruited out when he was, I believe at Briarcrest in Memphis. Yeah. He was Um, even like a state high school basketball champion as a coach or something. I mean, which is pretty wild. He was portrayed in the blind side because uh, he coached uh, Michael Orr. Michael Orr there at, in high school, um, but I, I mean, I would almost be more comfortable because if you're a high school coach in the southeast, you get the experience with SEC coaches, and you probably know a little That's bit. True. Of the game. I didn't. You sort of know what's going on there. I didn't think about that aspect of it that you really see yeah. everything on that side of it, and you're dealing with that side of it and seeing. <laughs> I mean, one of one of the things I've been referencing Basilio a lot in the, in this episode, uh, but a guy called into his show last week when I was just listening one of those days, and this guy was a football coach in in the the at a high school in Tennessee, and they said that Butch had welcomed him in with open arms and had really tried to make a connection, and that he had during Butch's time had had multiple. Um, D1 players on his squad that Tennessee tried to recruit and that he has the same type of player now and that Pruitt has not given him the time of day to that's a massive massive mark on Pruitt to me that's that's a red flag of red flags when I look at it where it's like what are you doing why are you not making these inroads that's similar to what we heard about Derek Dooley towards the end of his tenure at Tennessee as well yeah he kind of just phoned it in and that's really strange. Two Saban guys. I, I don't know. That's odd. It really has felt like that Pruitt has focused more on recruiting in Alabama, getting like those three star guys that Saban doesn't want. Like that's kind of been his bread and butter there, where Tennessee was not in the state of Alabama at all before Pruitt. And he's recruiting these kind of guys that Auburn and Alabama doesn't want. Yep. And I, that's. That, that is bad. Disappointing yeah. and kind of because even even if you even if there's nobody at those schools that you want right now, there eventually will be, and you cannot let them get away. Uh, you know, it happened with T. Higgins. It's happened with several players at this point. I think we all every time we watch a Clemson game, we're reminded of it. But specifically, T. Higgins, Amari Rogers, some of those guys, you you cannot let them when they come along they have to go to tennessee you're you can't i mean it can't it's bad not only is it bad for the your roster and the talent on your team the optics of it are just terrible it's just another kind of feather in pruitt's cap in terms of why in my opinion he really just needs to go but uh and and kind of makes me of the of the opinion that I said last week, I don't think he even wants to be here. I don't think he wants to be here anymore. Yeah, but he's not going to turn down $12 million buyout, nor is he going to turn down working. I mean, people do jobs that they hate every day because it pays them. Exactly. That's what Pruitt will do. Just, I, you know, do, do the job till the train runs out, runs off the tracks. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's where I would be. I, I've been in in a job like that before. I think a lot of people have, you know, uh, and it's coaches are no different, even though they get paid, four and a half million bucks to run the train off the tracks. But the Um, the difference is, is you can't, you're not going to have success. Even if a coach 
even if they're a good coach, if they have that mindset, they're not going to be successful. If Nick Saban had that mindset every day that he went to Alabama, he hates it. He doesn't want to be there, but he's going to do the job. He wouldn't be the same Nick Saban that he is now. It's yeah, it's it's that that simple. Like I don't know. So some guys that just excel at that, and I it's hard to tell exactly what sets guys apart, but whatever it is, Saban certainly got it. But I what we're, you, we're going long. We're already at like an hour five. Well, before before Pruitt's fired, or if he is fired, we assume he's going to be fired. Before that, we before we kind of get into the depths of a coaching search because we know how many twists and turns Tennessee's coaching searches take. What's your prediction if they fire Pruitt? Who would the next coach be? Just your gut feeling, and I think we should qualify this with: there's no inside information that anybody has at this point. I don't care how deep in the program you are. There's nothing. The nothing. Best hire that I think, like Tennessee ceiling to me, just saying, free freezing lane. They're just not. That's not going to happen. Um, I mean, please prove me wrong, but it's just not. The one I I think they really look at Barnes in a very favorable light, and he has a decent amount of sway. Um, I could see that connection with. Texas, the previous connection with Texas and kind of everything that's gone on there, that I think that could make Herman an actual candidate. Um, and to me, that would be like the tippy top for Tennessee, since they're not commonsensical enough to just hire the guy that really wants to be here. Um, to me, that would be like you you sort of have that, hey, we hired the the fired guy from Texas before the fired guy from Texas you know, might have some say in it too, because he's so successful here. I, and I'm not saying that Barnes is going to be like involved in the hiring, but I'm just saying like, he's in there, he's in the mix and he's the most respected coach Tennessee has right now, frankly. Um, in any, I'd, I'd listen to him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I think they'll, they would probably ask his input to some extent. Um, and through, through all of that, Herman would be like the ideal after you bypass down to the safe candidates. Um, so I would say to me that's the ideal, and then uh, realistically, Napier. Uh, I think they they end up having to drop down all the way to there. Unfortunately, just to, too un, too incompetent to or and then honestly, it I could almost see it going below Napier and them just having to reach for some garbage like I usual. Think, I think if I think if Fomer stays in the picture and has a say in who's hired that the lowest they go is Marone just because of their previous connection. Oh, oh yes. I, sorry. I, I meant to, I meant to say that too. It's there, there's kind of been some, some thought around the fact that Peyton Manning could be heavily, they're going to look to him to be heavily involved if they have to search. Oh, please don't coach. suggest Adam Gase, Peyton, please. Any, don't. Anybody <laughs> but Adam Gase, but with Peyton's influence in there also kind of, Sort of like how I was making connections with Barnes there. I could see Peyton being involved and then Marone. I could see Doug. Doug Marone specifically yeah. is the first one that comes to mind. Maybe to Bill O'Brien too, just because the NFL connection. Um, although I, in out of those two, I would definitely prefer Marone and I would prefer a whole bunch of guys before Marone. Yeah. But, well, at least Marone's uh, been at Tennessee before. Yeah. I, mean, I would go. I would go Gus Malzahn, I think is. 
not necessarily my prediction, but I think best case for Tennessee because they could sell. Look, Tennessee just need t- Tennessee's not going to go twelve and zero anytime soon or eleven and zero, whatever. They need some wins. They need to win. They need to beat Alabama. That's they need that more than anything. They need a coach that can come in and beat Alabama within two years. I think Gus Malzahn. Uh, if it's not Hugh Freeze, I think Gus Malzahn gives you the best chance to do that because he kind of knows the formula and what it takes and how to beat Nick Saban. That would be the route I'd probably take. I would be totally fine with that. I hope that they do. And we've said it so many times now. I think it happens this week. (laughs) (laughs) This is the week. Yeah. Honestly, if you do not do it this week, you're not doing it. Yeah. What are we do? What are we doing? One way or the other. And again, we'll we'll say it. If they do actually fire somebody, we'll have an emergency pod. We'll hop on here. Yeah, I'm doing Wednesday. Wednesday is my prediction. Yeah, they're. I think they'll do it in a little bit of a news dump sort of way. Wednesday, where at it'll five. be eight eight p.m. on Wednesday. <laughs> Most people aren't on Twitter. There's no big. I, what day is like the ten, the next Tennessee basketball game? They won't do it that day because oh, people yeah. will be on Twitter. They want to avoid that. I you always think like it. five o'clock. People on their way home from work, which I know yeah. the pandemic, not as many people on the road, but that's kind of the traditional. Do it around that time of day when people are like in that trans transition from work to going home, dinner, and all that. It'll be that one. You know, one of those guys, Austin Price. We'll drop it. Maybe it'll be one of those those national guys gets the scoop. Chris whoever. Lowe, maybe. Chris Lowe, yeah. Um, sh- surely <laughs> this week. But if not, we'll just be back Sunday. I, guess. I keep waiting for it. Like I know, I know it's going to happen. I, I feel like Wednesday. I'm, I'm sticking by it. We'll see if our prediction is correct. And when I'm wrong, feel free <laughs> to tweet at me. We've never been wrong before. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. This has been the Big Orange Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully, we'll be talking to you midweek about something with Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, we'll see exactly what that something is. Um, but otherwise, I think that's it. Oh, bas- I will throw in right at the very end. Basketball has gotten back on track. They beat Arkansas. They beat Texas A&M. Santiago Vescovi really turned it around. He looked awesome yesterday. God bless him. It was great to see. Uh, and that's always nice. Tennessee's at a different level when he's really playing uh, great. So that's cool. That's it. And we'll talk to y'all midweek next week. I don't know, but we'll talk to you then. See you guys later. Wait